Kia ora, kia ora. Tēnā koutou katoa, no mai haru mai ki te kāinga hau o te whare karakia Cornerstone. Welcome to this house of the Lord uh, and this house of prayer that is Cornerstone. Wow, look at your beautiful faces. I've got a little bit, for those who are um, new or uh, don't know me, I've got uh, some eye issues and so I've got a contact lens, I've got a new one that I've got to pick up this week. So I'm a little bit blindy, but that's okay. That's Most of you are like, that's not unusual. Um, so what I'm going to ask from you guys today, because I can't really see your faces too well, I'm going to ask that you respond. Is that okay? So I, that way I know I'm actually like doing okay. Because if you're just doing this... I can't see you, okay? So um, if you're like this, maybe just keep quiet because otherwise I don't know what the vocal thing of that is. Okay, is that a good? Yeah. Ah, is that all right? Yeah. Thank you. Hey, I just need 35 seconds. So can you turn to the person next to you and say, sup? And then also, why don't you say, hey, are you going to the church camp? And you can talk about church camp. Or you can be like, nah, I can't go because I got this thing. Um, And then the other person can try and convince you to come. All right, I'll leave it up to you. You've got 30 seconds just so I get myself organized. Kia ora. So good to see you. Who has uh, enjoyed the break but has felt like it's been a long time? Yeah, that's me too. I just wanted to quickly speak to that. Uh, The reason we had a really long break over this summer was, yes, the venue was closed for a portion of it, but also um, we've had a a couple of tough years, um, and we've noticed that our crew that do the pack-in and do data and do live stream and do sound uh, and everybody else that serves, everybody was feeling pretty tired at the end of last year. So what we did is we gave everybody a break. So if you were like, oh, they're taking a long time, yes, we did, um, but we did it for those that uh, really needed it. So just quickly, on top of that, like a cherry on the top, uh, those, you know who you are, those who serve, can we just give them a round of applause? Just a thank you for everything that you guys do, all those special people, you guys are great. Hey, if I've not met you before, kia ora, my name is Andre. Uh, my wife Hannah and I, who is over here, uh, we, uh, along with an f- amazing team, um, we're part of the leadership of Cornerstone Church Rolleston. So if you're here, new this morning, uh, I just want to say hi, welcome, uh, you're a guest and um, make yourself at home, put your feet up, whatever you need to do, and those watching online, really good to see you guys as well. Hey, who's ready for a new series? New year, new series, we're kicking off. Okay, it's a short series. Um, and, you know, there's a saying that says Christians don't need more information, we need transformation, okay? And so what we need today from you guys, what I need from you guys today, is not just to go, oh yeah, that was a good sermon, he did alright, told some funny jokes, yeah, he's a handsome guy. Um, <coughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> You're like, yeah, that was my internal monologue, okay, um, So what I need from you guys is not just to take in the information, but to try and apply it to your lives. Now, my job is to try and help you apply it to your lives. But before we even kick off, is that okay? If you go, you know what, I'm going to, even if Dre's not very good and the sermon's rubbish, um, you can go, you know, I'm going to get something from it because he's going to preach from scripture and I'm going to apply it to my life. Is that cool? That's a really good caveat to start. Even if I suck, it'll be okay. All right, here we go. So the sermon, and if you've got um, uh, a notebook um, or uh, writing uh, notes down, I really encourage you to write notes. Does anyone have an old school notebook? I see those hands. Amen. Jesus sees you. Well done. Okay. For everybody else, you can write down the sermon title. Over the next three weeks, we're going to do something called uh, Resilience, uh, a three-part series on resilience. And I think resilience uh, is very important. Um, how many people over the last, oh gosh, is it three years? Yeah, the three years of the whole sort of COVID situation. How many people honestly have felt like they have been 
pushed, they've been wavered, they've found it difficult in some way, form, or fashion. Great, okay, 40% of us, awesome. Well, that's the end of sermon today. Uh, no. So um, I think that a lot of us in a lot of different ways have struggled, and I hope that this sermon series, this mini-series, will really help us, um, especially myself. I need to become more resilient. So um, the series plan is this. Today we're going to start with uh, the topic, Resilient Me. And we're going to unpack that about what resiliency is, what does the Bible say about resiliency, why do we need it, all of those types of things. And then next week, we go to week two, which is the 5th of February, we're going to do Resilient Christian. You might say, Dre, aren't they the same thing? Yes, but we're going to give ourselves three weeks to unpack all the bits and pieces. And then a couple weeks later, we've got church camp. I'm away for a Sunday. Uh, On the 26th of February, we're going to do our third and final installment, which is going to be Resilient Church. What does a resilient church look like in 2023? What does a resilient church look like in a largely secular environment? What is the church, big capital C, all Christians? What does Cornerstone look like in Rolleston as a resilient church? Um, So we're going to unpack all of that, and so we're going to kick off now. Everybody ready? Woo! Okay, here we go. Today's plan is we're going to break the sermon into three parts. The first part is what is uh, Christian resilience? That's important. What is it? that we're talking about right now. The second part is um, why is resilience needed? Why is it important in our lives? And then the third part is uh, tips on becoming more resilient. So my hope is is that you go, okay, I know what it is. Uh, I know why I need it. And here's some steps to help me become more resilient. First off, if you're brave, is anyone right now suddenly going, you know what? Yep. Even before he starts, I know that Sometimes I get moved by the storm. Sometimes I waver. Sometimes I weaken. Sometimes I drop the ball. Uh, Is there anyone else, I'll have my hand up first, that feels like sometimes they've been there, even in their lives? Anyone? Cool. Great. I like that. You're like, "Eh." and then you're like, oh, he's asking again. (laughs) Okay. So those are the three things we're going to do today. Our key verse is um, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 8, which we will get to shortly, but that is our key scripture. Um. My place of giving the sermon today is a gentle place. Can everybody say gentle place? This isn't a critique. This isn't a push. This isn't an an overly challenging message. That'll come. (laughs) Uh, That might come in the the other two weeks. But today is I'm super aware that there are people here going, no, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. And then there are others who are going, you know what? I'm actually not okay. I've really struggled. I'm not feeling great in my marriage. I'm not feeling great in uh, my connection with God. I'm not feeling great in my workplace, my relationship with my family. You know, it's not, it's not all good. And so my hope is today from a gentle place, we might be able to see some change. Okay, so it's not, uh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, by no means. It's, hey, all of us together, we can be more resilient to what life throws at us. Stress, um, all of that type of stuff. So it's a gentle place. Everybody say gentle place. Okay, I want you to imagine that you're a tree, a beautiful tree. And I want you to imagine um, a tree, and uh, I'm going to show you some pictures of trees. Who's keen to see some pictures of trees? All right, okay. So we've got some pictures of trees, and these trees, I want you to think about which tree you might be, metaphorically, okay? You're like, this pastor's weird. He thinks we're trees. No, metaphorically... Are you the tree that feels like he's clinging to the side of the cliff and he's going to fall at any moment? Sometimes I've been there. 
Are you the tree that's laying on its side? You look like you might be dead. You still got a little bit of growth, but everybody else is like, bro, that's not a tree, that's a log. <laughs> a log with things coming up the side. Are you the tree that you feel like you're standing out by yourself and that you're a little different to everybody else and you feel like a million miles apart even though you might be with everybody else? Is that you? Are you that tree? Are you the tree that's had all your limbs cut off? You just feel at an emotional level. Everything's been pruned back to a point where you're just a bunch of ugly stumps. Are you a tree that has had to grow over something and there's something in your life? Um, does anyone know where that is? Yeah, Angkor Wat in Cambodia. I've been there. I've got a photo just like that. Um, but are you going, is there stuff that you've not dealt with and you've had to grow over? <laughs> does anyone ever feel like their tree's on fire and they're just like, I have no idea what's going on, but my tree's on fire? Or maybe you're like, you know what? I'm never going to get any bigger. I'm in a pot and I can't get any bigger. Does anyone feel like they're just so enclosed in whatever stage they're in right now that they're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to grow or develop. I can't be resilient because I can't continue to grow. Or hang it again, right on the edge. I mean, I don't even know how that thing's surviving. Anyone been there in their life? (laughs) I've been that tree through COVID. Okay. (laughs) Perhaps you're a young tree. You're a little sapling. And you're like, how am I going to get through the winter? How am I going to get through the storm? How am I going to get through life? Perhaps you're surrounded with something that wants to kill you. (laughs) Salt water. (laughs) Perhaps you're in a hostile environment as a tree. And your resiliency is, you've got to be resilient here because otherwise you're going to die. Well, how about you've just been simply chopped down and you're done? Maybe you feel there. Maybe you're covered in ladybugs. (laughs) Maybe you're covered in something. Maybe there is something that you feel like, that's not who I am, but I've got so much rubbish in my life, I feel completely covered. That's a lot of ladybugs, isn't it? I said to Evie, my three, four-year-old daughter, I said, do you want to see a picture of a ladybug? And she's yeah. And I showed her, and she's like, ugh, yuck. Maybe you're just a little tree, and you're like, oh, I'm never going to be anything bigger. I'm just a little bonsai. I can't do anything better or bigger. Maybe you've been out in the elements, Maybe other stuff has grown up around you and you feel completely disconnected from everything else. Maybe you have been chopped down, but there's a little bud of growth. What tree are you? Anyone resonate with a tree? Put your hands up. Two people. Awesome. (laughs) Wherever you are uh, right now, whatever position you find yourself in, to grow, to thrive... You need to have resiliency. You need sun, you need dirt, usually you need water. You need those things to be resilient. And resiliency is just a base, it's just a place for you to thrive. Who wants to survive this year? Don't put your hands up. Who wants to thrive? Who wants to be 2023 to be like, gosh, that was a year, I got closer to God, my relationships were better. I want to see that too, right? Okay. So resiliency is important. See, and here's the other thing. Resiliency only builds over time. It's like a muscle. You can't just make that. Now, I don't know anything about building muscle. I talked to Jason. He told me about it. Um, So apparently you've got to keep working on that muscle for it to grow. Okay, so you've got to keep working um, on uh, that muscle for it to grow. Some of you are going, Dre, your tongue muscle must be pretty powerful because you do a lot of talking. 
But it builds over time. So if you're sitting here going, great, I've heard Dre's 30-minute sermon and three o'clock this afternoon, I'm going to be resilient. Sorry, caveat. It probably won't happen immediately. It's something that we need to build over. Beautiful. So what is Christian resilience? We've just talked about what is it. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 4.8. We are afflicted. This is Paul writing to uh, the Corinthian church in Corinth. We are afflicted in every way. Admitting that, has anyone ever been told that when you become a Christian or if you have this relationship with God, everything's going to be rainbows, butterflies, and flat screen TVs, unicorns, thank you. Has anyone ever been told that maybe when you're a young Christian? It's a lie. (laughs) I'll often have to say this. Sometimes God doesn't change your circumstance, but he does change the way you respond in a circumstance. And this is Christian mature resiliency. So Paul is talking about that. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. He talks about we are, those things are happen, do happen to us, but they have not killed us. Is there a repeating phrase there? It's but not. I would say that uh, but not sounds like some sort of weird Russian beer, doesn't it? <laughs> but not. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> Um, but not is like the verb of resiliency. This has happened, but it has not made me fall over. I have fall, I have bent in the wind, but I have not broken. Who needs a little bit more but not in their life? We're going to move on. This is kind of weird, isn't it? Okay. I so say I'd like to say that resiliency is not an absence of the wind, but the ability to withstand the wind. Stuff is going to happen in your life, and to be a mature Christian, you are going to need to bend. You're going to move with it. Something that we said in our staff team a lot over COVID was, we need to flex our flexibility. And even after the hundredth time, we're like, flex our flexibility? (laughs) Resilience is not the absence of wind, but the ability to withstand it. Resilience isn't about infallibility, but flexibility. You need to be able to be flexible. You need to be able to move with the times. And I'm not having to go at anyone or anything, but what I have noticed in a lot of different ways uh, over the last few years is the inability for people to be flexible. Oh, this is the way. Well, this is the way. I'm not going to move. You're not going to move. There's a lot of that going on and the inability to try and find some sort of common ground. Now, I wasn't perfect through it, and I know other people were and weren't and whatnot, but we do need to be flexible as Christians. We need to be able to bend in the wind. Quick story, and I have the permission to share this story. Um, Anyone who was at the cave stream last week, you might have met my mum. My mum came along, and I said to mum, do you want to come to the cave stream with us? And she loves to challenge my mum, and she said, sure, I'll give it a go. And uh, I'm sorry, it's a little bit naughty. But as we're going through the water, it's freezing when you first hop in. And if you don't know my story, my mum, my family are not Christians. So we hopped into the water and it's freezing. So we're going along and then my mum's got colourful language. <laughs> and we're in this like really echoey chamber with all of my Christian um, brethren. And my mum's like, ah, flippy, I'm like, oh, mum, <laughs> oh, there's someone else in the cave. Um, so it was great. I love my mum though. She wasn't too bad. Um, but here's the thing. Um, my mum came down, which was great, and uh, here she is. Here's my mum. Oh, and there's Isaac. He came with us. 
um, into the cave. And I've got this permission to share the story from my mum. My mum, she grew up in a super intense situation. She grew up with abuse of all kinds and all makes and all sizes. Uh, it was horrendous. And at 13, she wanted to leave home. Uh, and she couldn't, not legally. Um, and so when she was 15, back in the day, she was able to leave and get out of home. But my mum was a broken young girl. Absolutely destroyed, mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that. She'd been through everything. She was a mouse, absolutely quiet. She couldn't possibly talk to people. She couldn't possibly ask questions or even begin to think about how to deal with conflict. Because the way that she had seen conflict dealt with was with the fist, with barbed wire, with everything. It was horrendous. That family was very well known to the police back in the day. And so when she was 15, she left home. Now, how many people have heard a story like this? What do you do when you're 15? You know, you go out onto the street and stuff happens. Well, here's the cool thing. My mum had some strength in her to be able to go get a job. Back then, apparently, you could do that. You just left home and go get a job. And she worked in the grocery kind of sector. And uh, she did that for a few years. And then she uh, got into a couple of bad relationships, I believe. And then she met my father, who was a decade older than her. And uh, they decided to get married. Her girlfriends had convinced her that she was getting old uh, and that she needed to get married. She was 21. You guys were weird back then. 21, you're getting old, you need to get married. Okay, so she got married to my dad, who was a very safe option. And then they had a daughter, my sister Fleur, uh, and uh, Fleur cried nonstop for four years of her life. She was profoundly deaf, but they didn't know. It was back in the 80s when they just didn't test for that sort of stuff. Uh, and then I came along two years into that, and uh, I was just the model gorgeous little baby, fat little baby boy, who everybody was like, oh, you've got really tough situation with your kids, I'll come and help by taking the fat, cute, happy baby boy. Um, and so uh, it was hard for my mum, really hard, and she had to go through a whole process trying to actually diagnose that my sister was hearing impaired, that she was deaf. And the doctors were like, hey, look, you know, you lady, you don't know what you're talking about, we're the professionals. And in the end, she has a very, very rare type of deafness that was hard to, uh, it's even today hard to kind of uh, figure out what exactly it was going on. Um, and so she cried for the first four years of her life. And then when I was four, um, I had severe asthma, like absolutely the worst asthma you could think of. And I spent the majority of my time in hospital. I was uh, announced dead, clinically dead, four times over a 48-hour period. Um, everybody thought I wasn't going to make it. Uh, my mum uh, and my father got divorced. My mum was in the 80s with very little support, uh, with two really sick kids, and it was hard going. And her family was that family. So she was trying to do everything on her own. Tough work, right? Mums, everybody else, you agree? Hard work. And what she had to do is eventually, through circumstances, she decided, you know what? I can either let these circumstances kick me in the but not. <laughs> or but <laughs> I can develop through these circumstances. Now, my mum doesn't have a faith, but... Um, I, I mean, I love that she, she'll often say to me, I don't know if I believe in God, but I do think that that situation was put in front of me to change me and to develop me and to grow me, which is so cool. And so my mum had to start standing up for her daughter, standing up for her son. All through school, she had to fight for hearing aids and, and all sorts of stuff. It was a really tough situation. I was in hospital, she had to get babies. It was hard, hard work, but she developed and grew a resiliency. Now, my mum, if you've ever met my mum, my mum's scary. 
She is, she is, she's not hardened, but she's a tough lady. Um, she works, uh, she's a, an accommodation manager up in New Plymouth. She has like a whole bunch of rooms, the big, big, big place. Um, and I believe her nickname is the Pitbull, because uh, you don't want to cross my mum. And so my point is, is that if we choose to, we can actually grow from our experiences. And how cool is that? I've been through the ringer with my eyesight, but I've chosen to develop and grow. And maybe you could through a season as well. This year's with the latest grandson, not mine. <laughs> to bend, but not to break. Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings, this is Paul speaking, are not worth comparing with the glory uh, that will be uh, revealed in us. Paul's basically saying, yes, yes, life is hard. I've been there. I've done that. But things are greater to come. How many people know that when you realize the macro view of things, that actually life is not actually um, going to end necessarily. Things are going to continue, that God is in control. How many people find a peace in that? I find a peace that actually, you know what, God's in control. I don't understand and I don't know, but God knows. Um, You're sick of my voice already, because I am. So um, we're going to get Warren up to read 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 for us. Just because, because he does this to me. I'll come on a Sunday and he's like, oh, I just want you to preach on the tabernacle uh, for five minutes or something like that. So I said to him, I'm going to do it to you today. But you just get to read some scripture. There you go, my friend. He, does want, he, he, he wants me to be resilient. The Bible's upside down. <laughs> it is too. <laughs> it was upside down. Right. <clears throat> Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I'm more. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently. Yeah, that's true. Flogged more severely and have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own countrymen, danger from the Gentiles, danger from the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. I've labored, I've toiled, and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I've been cold, naked, and besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches who is weak, and I do not feel weak, who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn. Paul went through a thing or two. Anyone here been shipwrecked or spent the night in the sea by themselves or been flogged? He has been through all of it. But when you read Paul's writings, uh, you know, he, he is excited. He thinks it a privilege to go through the stuff that he's gone through. I'm not saying I could do that. I just think here's a guy, a great example. Paul the Apostle has been through everything that massive list just said. But he is lifting up the name of God. Why? Because he has a resiliency that I think is incredible. So much so that he, got, he gets killed for it in the end. 
James 1 verse 12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. You're going to go through a lot of stuff, and you will. And my encouragement to, to you today to be resilient is we must be steadfast. Steadfast in what, you might ask? Well, there's a lot of stuff. You could be steadfast against sin. A lot of this is sin. Bitterness, anger, stress, hopelessness, pride, unforgiveness, hurt, offense, rejection, fear, trials, sickness, and grief. You're going to face all of these things. But part of being a mature, developing, growing Christian, the Bible calls us to be resilient against those things. It's really hard. But I've got some tips. We'll get there. Why is resilience needed? James 1 Consider it pure joy. How many people knew that when I was going to talk about resilience, you knew I was going to talk about James? I love uh, James chapter 1. He says, hi everybody. How's it going? Good to see you. And then he starts with, consider it pure joy when you go through rubbish in life. You're like, whoa, thanks James. Hit us with a wet fish, why don't you? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you uh, face trials of any kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let persecution uh sorry perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete what he's talking about James is he's saying look the trials actually make you tougher they're actually good to learn from who enjoys a trial good no one um but learning from a trial that's going to happen is a good thing I want to be mature and complete. Ephesians 4 says, when there will no longer be infants, you get tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. I don't want to be blown here and there and moved across this and this and that. I want to be steadfast in my faith. Do you? When the storms come, I'm going to go, you know what? I'm resilient. I'm going to stand firm in what God has called me to do. See, resiliency refines you. Think of my mum's story here. Lorna is her name. Resiliency refines you, and over time it can define you. My mum has changed completely because she went through a time and she let it refine her. And we can let resiliency refine us as well. See, the opposite of resiliency is despondency. And the dictionary says it is a depression of spirit from loss of hope, confidence or courage uh, or dejection. Despondency is the inability to bounce back. We need to be able and sometimes to bounce back. Here's a ball. Right. This ball is a good ball. There's a problem with this ball. Ready? We need to bounce back. Now, I know I'm really strong, and you couldn't tell when I lifted this up with all my muscles and grace that it was seven kilos. But it doesn't bounce. That is the wrong bounce. Why, what, is, what is missing? There needs to be a flexibility. There needs to be the ability. Everybody click your fingers. Go. I'm like a magician. Now, when I drop this ball, what will happen? It will bounce. Why? Because if you had a high-speed camera on this, when it hits the ground, it will take some of the pressure and it will push itself back up. 
okay? We need to be able to have the flexibility. We need to have the flexibility to be able to bounce back, right? Are you ready? We need the flexibility of the ball. I was also going to make a joke about some wind as well, but it's okay. It's full of uh, hot air. We need to be able to bounce back, as the dictionary says. God refines us through perseverance and he builds resilient uh, version of yourself. We need to let the creator arborist, an arborist is a fancy word for something like a tree surgeon. But too many of us have not let the creator, the father, tend to us and prune us and to just change this leaf here and hold this branch here. Because that's the pruning we need. He develops us over time. But what we've done is we've let people come in with a machete. Old Brian from next door, he's your plumber's next door neighbor's plumber's veterinarian. And he's just hacked at the plants and hacked at things. And, and maybe he was trying to help, but now you're holding on to stuff. I've shared this story before, but when I was 18 and I was sitting in the car with my... Uh, uh, our worship director of church, and we worked together. He said, hey, Dre, what do you want to do in church? I was maybe six months in, and I said, oh, um, I'd really like to potentially you know, join a band, be in the worship team maybe. Um, I used to sing in like production stuff and bits and pieces. And um, he goes, oh, I'll sing, because he was the worship leader. And I was like, oh. So I sang a little bit, and he stopped me halfway, and he's like, mate, you suck. <laughs> You're never going to sing in a band. You're terrible. And carried on driving. Now, I let that prune me to a point where I wouldn't even sing in worship in case someone heard me because I didn't want to bring in, I don't want to take anyone's attention away from Jesus because I sucked so bad until I married a great singer and she was like, you're not that bad. You're okay. I mean, you're not like me, but no, she, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. But after a time, I actually got, you know what? Maybe I'm not that bad. And then I guess what? I joined a worship team, which is crazy. Um, and then I was like, oh, actually, I let those words shape me. How many people have ever let other people's harsh words shape them? All of us have, have got the wounds that we're carrying. Don't let some hack be your pruner and your arborist. Let God be your arborist. Because we all have stuff that we need to get rid of. Okay, get your pens out. Get your phones. Don't write on your phone. Guess what our four-year-old daughter did two days ago? A big, shiny iPad. And she said, it went flat, so I wrote on it. And it's just covered in crayon. And you can't get the crayon off. <sighs> and then you've got to explain to a four-year-old, well, now she can't use devices for the next three days. That's fun. So don't draw on your devices. But take these notes. Here's six quick tips uh, to hopefully help you build a resiliency in your life. Number one, know that God loves you. Often I find that people don't know that God loves them, at the root of it. They're just, you know what, I'm worthless. You need to know, we need to know that God loves us. There's a few Bible verses here. The Father loves me. Just as the Father has loved me, so I love you. My commands are that you will remain in my love. Uh, how great is the love of the Father that lavished on us? Guess what? God loves you. And when you know that God loves you, just about anything in the world, anything that's thrown at you, Guess what? It's actually not that big a deal because if someone loves you, do they care for you? Like if they really love you, do they look after you? Will they provide for you if they have the ability to? Of course they will. 
Your number one thing to help you become more resilient is to remind yourself, hey, God loves me. We're going to get through this. Number two is to know who you are. Often at the root of the issue is I realize that people don't know who they are. They don't know. Here's just three things I've picked at random. Uh, they don't know that they're justified and saved through grace, through Jesus. They, they, they have a condemnation of the sins and the past wrongs. Um, or they don't understand that they're, you're a child of God, that you are a son or a daughter of God. Um, or you don't understand that you are salt and uh, salt and earth, salt and light. And what was the other one? Salt of the earth and light of the world. You need to know who you are. When you know in a, in a rubbish situation, you know who you are and you know where someone else is at, it gives you a confidence. Man, over the last couple of years, it has been so helpful for me to go, okay, I know where I'm at with things. And I also know where someone else is at. And instead of me getting angry or offended at what they've said about me or said like that or this or that, I go, you know what? I know who God is uh, in me and I know who I am. I am a child of God. I'm not going to let that random comment of that person shape me. I'm not going to be that 17-year-old kid in the car anymore. You know, I, it's, it was fun. I got called, what did I get called? I got called, uh, uh, what was it? The false elect. You know, I got called uh, goat amongst the sheep. Um, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I rebuked that. I'm not perfect by any means, but I have a heart after God and I know that I'm a child of God and I'm a son of God. Don't let the rubbish words of people be the ones that shape you. All right, point number three, Christian re uh, resiliency. How many times have I said resiliency today? Ugh. Resiliency comes from relational equity. Building relationship with God. You can't have a relationship with someone if you don't spend time with them. So how do you get relationship with God? You do it through proximity, being close to God, building relational equity. Um, this is a famous scripture. Jesus says, remain in me like the vine. Remain in me, remain in me. If you want to know who you are, you want to be a resilient Christian, you have to spend time with God. That's how you do it. Often when I talk to people and they're feeling blown left and right and, and they're feeling like they're the tree hanging onto the thing and their limbs are like this, I ask them, how's your relationship with God? What's your quiet time like? Uh, I feel like I should respond with a certain way, but I don't want to lie to the pastor. Uh, and often I'll find that. So it comes from a place of building relational equity with God. Also, not just with God, God most importantly, but how many people know that when you are walking closely with someone, that actually can really help? Anyone here got a spouse that loves you and, and wants to see the best for you and will walk with you? What about a connect group? That's a great place, or a mate or a friend that you can build relational equity with and they can help you be resilient. Man, there's been times... I share this story. We're running out of time. Can I tell you a sad story, a cute sad story just really quickly? Okay. I remember when I uh, lost my vision and uh, our whole family got around us. I've told this story before. We were in Mike and Ruth's lounge and uh, I remember just, I was legally blind and it looked like I wasn't ever going to be able to, wow, maybe I wasn't going to be able to see again. It was a lot of unknowns. I lost my job, lost my license. We had babies and it was just really scary. And it had been months and months of this and uh, they're all standing around me, and they're praying with me, and it was awesome. 
And then all of a sudden, I just felt tired. I was like, you know what? I've been carrying this thing as long as I can. And then my brother-in-law, Jairus, big bearded beast of a man, uh, he grabs me and holds me like this. And I don't know why, but I just lifted my legs off the ground and he held me. And then we both cried. It was really manly. Um, <clears throat> and he held me. And everybody else was there. And I don't even know if anyone else knew. I was just like this. And I wasn't manly at all. I was like a little six-year-old kid. I was like... <laughs> and he held me. Sometimes you need a brother in Christ, sister in Christ to hold you. <laughs> and that's enough. Cool? Someone's chopping onions. Number four. It's helpful when you're trying to figure out your resiliency to know your calling. You know, um, in that time, in the COVID time, um, I had to be honest, I probably shouldn't say this, there were a couple of times I was like, maybe I should look for another job because this ain't fun. I'll be honest. But then God said to me, I've called you to this, Dre. I've called you to this. And I, I know you have. And I haven't called you away from it. Man, that's helpful. It's so helpful when you go, you know what? The forest is on fire, but he's called me on the other side of it. So I'm just like, just, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Okay, that's a Finding Nemo joke for you. Know your calling. Um, I urge you to live the life, the worth of calling uh, and the calling that you have received. I know where I've come from. Knowing your calling isn't going to happen immediately. Hey, if you've got friends in a connect group, they can walk through you. Every Christian has a calling. Every human has a calling. And then every Christian has their own personal, deep uh, calling on their life as well. Mine is to disciple people. That's it. To disciple people. And God's like, I haven't called you away from that, boy. So, okay. I can put up with it. I can, I can actually make through with all this because he's called me. Step number five, long-term resilience requires a measure of life balance. Right now you might be thinking, yeah, that's right. Life balance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Less church stuff. Yep. Some of you, Yes. Others are like, you know what, I uh, fish every moment that I'm not working or doing home, or I read books the, you know, every moment, or I'm riding motorbikes, or I'm skydiving, or whatever it is, building caravans, I don't know. I'm not picking on anyone in particular. Um, and you're sitting there, and God's going, well, actually, you might have an ability to serve the church. Maybe you have the ability to serve the kingdom of God. There's a balance, right? And then obviously the other way as well. And I've been there. You'll probably have heard stories of pastors that keep doing the thing that's in front of them and forget the reason why they're doing it. You ever see that on me? You call it out on me. I mean it. Don't get caught up in the stuff. God spoke to me powerfully in the library today, uh, this week uh, about my legacy. And that it's not about the stuff that I do, but it's the people. And God reminded me, your son Isaac is a Christian Obviously through the work of the Holy Spirit, through God. But your son Isaac, who's 10, is a Christian because you're a Christian. You're a Christian because when you went to drama school, there was some guy who was a Christian and he led you to the Lord. And he was led to the Lord because when he left high school, he went to a Christian farmer. And I don't know why or how that guy got saved, but that is a part of my Christian lineage. And God reminded me that actually long after I'm dead and gone, there will be a lineage of people who are saved and you're exactly the same. People, people, people. How do we get there? Balance. I don't know how we got there. Balance. We need to be balanced. 
Uh, I'd like to say, I say, therefore be careful how you walk. Uh, the Lord knows, keep talking to the Holy Spirit. He will reveal how you need to be balanced. I'll also say busyness does not always mean godliness. Us pastors and leaders, we need to remember that. I'm busy for the work of the Lord. I haven't spent time with him. Okay, point number six, we're getting there. Can I have the worship team up, please? Keep the main thing the main thing. If we keep the main thing the main thing, actually, no, you've got to do the whole thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Jesus at the center of it all. It is easy to get distracted, is it not? It's, easy. it's even easy to get distracted by things that are of God. But if they call you away from God's calling or if they, if they burden you down, it's something you need to take to the Holy Spirit. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness will be added to you. Can we stand, please? You know, sometimes it's easy to go, you know what, um, how do I measure God's working on people's hearts? Uh, and it's, I'll be honest, man, I'm being really honest today, aren't I? Um, it's easy for a leader to go, you know, oh, we had 11 people respond. That was great. Um, but that's not what we're going to do, and that's numbers are nothing. What I want you to do today, in your seat, you're not sitting, on your spot where you're standing, I want you to ask yourself one of two things, because I think ultimately when it comes down to being resilient and knowing where God has called you and knowing that God loves you, all of those things, He usually is asking us one of two things only, usually. I don't even know if I can think of a third. He first says, trust and listen. Trust in God. How many times in the Bible does it say, trust in God? And yeah, sure, when we are not resilient and we're letting things push us over, maybe we're not trusting. But trusting isn't just enough. We need to listen to Him. And listening isn't enough. When I told Evie not to draw on the iPad, and she kept drawing on the iPad, it wasn't enough. There's an action required, an application. Trust and listen. And one of the two things, He's either going to ask you to walk or to stand firm. He's asking you either to, hey, I, you, I need you to move from the place you are right now, spiritually. I need you to respond to me. Or perhaps he's saying the opposite. I tend to find it's one or the other. Stand firm. People often ask me, well, the, the last couple of one, uh, weeks, what is the vision for the church? What is God talking to you about? And what awesome creative thing are you going to do this, this year, creative pastor? They look at me and I go, you know what? The only thing I've heard from the Lord is to stay the course. Now, we can do the course better, right? We're staying the course on the ship, but we can give the rudder a paint, trim the sails. I'm running out of analogies. Um, do other boaty things. So we will do that better, but God has asked us to stay the course. I would like you to ask Holy Spirit, and if you've never done that before, that's okay. You can just say, Holy Spirit, are you asking me to move spiritually? Are you asking me to take the next step? Or are you asking me to stop taking the next step and listen to the last thing I told you? Sometimes that's it too. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. And after me, could you just say, God, hang on. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Holy Spirit, 
lead me and guide me. I want you to take 30 seconds and ask God, are you wanting me to walk a new direction? Or God, are you wanting me to stand firm when the wind is blowing? You have 30 seconds. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Lord to say, some of you need to be repotted. You're that plant. You've grown to a place. You're no longer resilient because your roots don't go deep enough. Some of you need to stand firm, put your roots deeper down into God. God has called you for the season. The snow may come, the wind may blow, but He's calling you to stand firm in your marriage, in your workplace, whatever it is. Thank you, Jesus. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith, not man. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do a thing in our hearts. Amen. Remember, we don't need more information. We need application. Take those six steps if it's helpful. Apply them to your life. Thank you, worship team.